Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny and Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny and Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry. Hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. So on today's episode, episode 29, we sit down with Brian Butler, who is the Executive Vice President of Strategic Development with DataQuip. Brian walks us through how he got started in the industry with Tritium on the building automation side of the business. And we, of course, cover some of the trends in the industry related to indoor air quality and data analytics. Bryant was such a joy to speak with as his passion for the energy services industry really is unquestionable. You'll definitely hear that in his voice, and I can see why he's been so successful here. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a five-star review. Now, we think you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Bryant, so let's drop in. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today we're sitting down with Bryant Butler, who is the Executive VP of Strategic Development with DataQuip. Bryant, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Bryant, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time. I know uh, you and I have been in touch for for a couple of years now, or at least known each other, kind of being in the industry here. So I'm glad uh, we were able to carve this out. And I'm glad we're uh, we're getting on the podcast here because I think what um, DataQuip you know, how you guys are going to market seems like a relatively new product, new technology that uh, I know our audience is going to be curious about. But before we get into that, can you give our audience just a brief background of, of you and kind of how you got started in the industry? Uh, sure. Yeah. And it's it's really nice to be able to join you. Um, so I really appreciate the invite and um, uh, I feel Kind of privileged to, to be talking to you today about some of this, but yeah, uh, you're being too kind. You're being too kind. We're not, we're not, we're not a, a huge we're podcast yet. Yet, we're on our way. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you you you've done a lot of them as far as as far as I'm concerned, and I've seen the ones I've seen with the other folks have been uh, really good. So hopefully, uh, I can I can at least come close to par. I won't be in I won't be in the bunker or someplace like that, so to speak. <laughs> I think we're gonna we're gonna have a good show here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit about my background. I, I've actually had a pretty diverse background, and I've been very fortunate for that reason. Um, and it goes all the way from commercial crabbing when I was younger, and then went to uh, in, into the Navy and was fortunate enough to fly uh, as a naval aviator. And then from there, uh, went with Intel out in Silicon Valley, and uh, was there at a really good time in the mid '90s when they started to doing stuff with the Pentium Five. If uh, I'll, I'll be dating myself with that, but uh, but that's when CPUs really, really started to uh, come into the mainstream and in their own right. Now it's just it's just incredible uh, what we have in terms of computing power. I mean, we basically walk around with a supercomputer in our pocket, uh, and not too far off with that uh, to a certain extent. Certainly from where we came from. Uh, how I got into this industry was interesting. I went from that um, from the semiconductor industry into industrial automation, um, mainly doing uh, positioning, uh, pre uh, precision positioning, entry robots, the early early stages of that. But also did a fair amount on hardened computers, and that really is how I got into this industry. Um, Tritium was one of my customers, and this is back in the early 2000s. And uh, so I was selling Tritium uh, uh, micro PCs. Uh, microcomputers and also PCMI, uh, PCMCI card, cards, and um, 
uh, got to know those guys, uh, and they're wonderful individuals in terms of what I was able to learn and interacting with them and just the excitement uh, that they had in the early 2000s around the Niagara uh, framework. And so I, I just really, one day I worked with them, I guess maybe about a year and a half, two years as them being my customer. And one day I was over there and I just, uh, I, I asked, uh, I don't know who it was Ed Merwin or John Petsy, uh, but it was one of them. Uh, and, uh, but anyway, I asked those guys, I said, you know, you guys do some interesting stuff. I'd like to join you, uh, if, if possible, or can I join you? And, uh, it was, it was kind of out of the blue, I guess a little bit, but, uh, uh, fortunately, two or three months later, they 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 asked me to join them. So uh, that that's literally how I got in into to this industry. And when I say this industry, I'll define it as BAS, IoT, and energy services because that's what I've been involved with for the last probably 15 years. Again, starting with Tritium, and I joined Tritium right before they uh, I'd say about a year, year and a half before they got acquired by Honeywell. So I saw the before and after of that. And like anything, it's pros and cons regarding that, but it, it was good. I, I learned an, an immense amount uh, about this industry at Tritium and had some incredible mentors. So again, Ed Merwin and John, um, Gil Rockwell. Um, I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't mention some of those guys in terms of my early uh, time in this industry. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's excellent. I know Tritium's got a um, you know phenomenal brand name in the industry, so that sounds like a perfect company to kind of cut your teeth in the industry. So, um, yeah, and the timing the timing of that was good too. So. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Yep. So tell us about um, DataQuip. I know you've you've been here. You're recently landed here, right? Maybe, maybe just bring us up to speed. You know, maybe where were you at previously, and then how did you land here at uh, your current at, at DataQuip? Well, that that's that, that's a little bit of interesting uh, twists and turns there, and uh, it, it frankly has to do with COVID. Um, uh, I was with a, another startup uh, that's in Silicon Valley uh, at the time. They were called Software Motor Company. Now they're called uh, Turntide. And uh, had started with them uh, responsibly mainly for building a channel or, or starting to do that from scratch. And unfortunately, uh, we, we were making pretty good progress, but unfortunately, uh, COVID hit and uh, things started to get shut down. Um, and them being out in, in uh, the Bay Area, they were well, the first three counties, I think, to actually have mandatory shutdown. Now, I wasn't living there, um, but uh, still, it, it kind of impacted because everything we did uh, from an engineering and supply and all of that uh, distribution and stuff came out of the, out of the facilities out there. <laughs> so I was one of 14 that uh, kind of got hit by the uh, COVID initial wave of layoffs. Um, and uh, you know, it, in hindsight, it was, it, it, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. Not that I wanted to leave SMC. I, I loved uh, the, the people and the technology and the things that we were doing there. Um, but uh, what really uh, occurred after that is obviously I started looking and I was already familiar with DataQuip. In fact, I go really far back with the founder of DataQuip to uh, work with them, um, very, not DataQuip themselves, but uh, in the BAS system integration side of things. DataQuip is a little bit unique because that's frankly uh, the, the folks, including myself, evolved out. DataQuip evolved out of that industry. We don't do BAS right uh, currently today. Um, and we're, we're not a BAS player in terms of system integration or anything like that. But those are some of the partners that we work with. Um, and so we have literally walked in those shoes and we have a real strong intimacy and rich experience with the systems from a controls and, and uh, in the buildings and stuff. So that really does help us a lot in terms of what we do today in terms of the analytics, whether it be for energy, indoor air quality operational efficiency of the facility or just the total uh, uh, management of the facility from a data analytics standpoint. 
so that that really does uh, help help uh, some of the things that that we did do today and how we approach uh, partnerships, frankly, because uh, w- without really solid partnerships, um, our truest value, our biggest value, is not completely met. Um, you know what we bring to the table for the end customer is complemented and enhanced so many uh, times over by our partners. So it's very, very symbiotic uh, relationship uh, from a value delivery standpoint between us, from us taking the data and turning it into something extremely valuable for our partners and for their customers um, is something that uh, is very uh, refreshing and exciting uh, to, to, to have that kind of relationship uh, because we get a lot of uh, input and, uh, and ideas from our partners. So our other partners uh, are ESCOs. ESCOs are a big part of, of who we work with, um, and energy as a service and commissioning agents. Those are some of the, the, the partners uh, that, that we work with, and they all do have a kind of a common uh, uh, tie in terms of how they potentially use the data from our perspective. Um, and so from a value standpoint, one of the philosophies or things that we really do is, is you bring in the data once and you use it everywhere. So you might bring it in uh, to use it for energy management from what we do with that, with ECMs uh, and, and the analytics rules that we create and have uh, might be applied to be focused or applied to energy. But your end customer, you know, they, they have many, many other applications that uh, that our platform and our analytics can be used for. And that could be indoor air quality for wellness. Um, that, that's a big part, obviously, with COVID t- today. Um and then also uh, total facility management. I mean, we get into the enterprise management of the facility, you know, multiple uh, facilities, whether it be a campus or just a, a nationwide uh, chain or something of that nature. Um, and then uh, the sustainability of that. So, and where, where we differentiate, uh, in, in my past, one of the things that, that uh, we did in the industry and still do is we have incredible value add applications. Uh, and those were very pervasive in terms of what they can do. And it's just amazing how explosive that's gotten. But one of the things that, or a couple of the things that really kept, I think, uh, the entire industry from really being recognized in its true potential in terms of pervasiveness in those, those applications, we had a lot of technology in the last 10 years that were applied to, to, to the applications and creating incredible value-add applications. But there was a number of barriers that that often would prevent those from realizing their full value. And that was the deployment, the efficiency of deployment, and then the efficiency of, of scaling. And those two areas, we have really, really, uh, I would say, somewhat revolutionized in how we have our methodologies. We have patent pendings around some of that. Um, and uh, so those are some unique areas in terms of how we bring data in and can turn it around into meaningful, valuable information but also be able to deploy in a way that is extremely efficient and cost-effective to do, as well as, uh, as well as to scale that once we have deployed in a single instance and it needs to go across an entire enterprise. So that is, that is some key things that we do or are able to do regarding uh, how we work with the data uh, across an entire facility or within an entire facility or enterprise of facilities. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I, wanted to, I just wanted to, to pull that apart a little bit because I think there's a yeah. lot of Good, good information there. So indoor air quality has been a common theme throughout this podcast, mm-hmm. right? It's, but for obvious reasons. Now, what I was curious yeah. about, I know you've, you've only been here just, just this year, 2020. So you, you've been living in this indoor air quality 
environment where customers want to talk about it. Now, to your knowledge, yeah. was that part of the presentation pre-COVID? Or is that something that just got heightened in the middle of this environment that we're in? You know, I, I didn't even hear indoor air quality, you know, up, up until six, seven months ago. Yeah, it, that, that is interesting because uh, we, we were already doing things around indoor air quality. I mean, okay. just kind of by default uh, in some of the things that we were doing. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was, you know, wellness was certainly uh, um, a, a factor. Because sustainability, wellness, and energy uh, really are, are, are some of the areas I've had to sum up. Those are some of the things that we really do uh, focus on. And it is interesting because where we come from uh, in terms of uh, where we see things going, uh, and, and I'm going to bring this back to indoor air quality, but where we see things going uh, is, you know, it, it's common and it's been for a long time and it, it will always be is that we as an industry um, focus on the building owner and the building manager. And the occupant has always been there and maybe in the back of our minds, so to speak, I wouldn't say we totally ignored the occupant, but getting to a level and this where the deployment and, and scaling and stuff, because that's even true inside a facility, not across just the enterprise, but inside a building, scaling and getting into the, the different capabilities within, within, a, within a large building on floors and rooms and things like that. So breaking that down so that the occupant or the tenant is really comfortable and safe in that environment and feeling that way, not just feeling it, but knowing it. So getting really intimate into the building is what we can do with the data and how we work with it. And the benefactor of that is, of course, the building owner and the building manager from an efficiency, cost-effective uh, energy savings and all of that. But the occupant now is a very, very um, a big benefactor of, of and and players, so to speak, in, in how this plays out because now they have can have a strong awareness as well as as even potentially input as to their specific environment. And, you know, in the past that might have been lighting and and temperature, but now indoor air quality it really supersedes that because again, just the COVID really brought that to play. But it was there all along. It's just COVID is bringing that to the forefront. And what I mean by there all along. You have allergies, you have a cold virus, you have flu virus. We have all that stuff happening every year, and some of it's seasonal. And it impacts because the indoor air quality uh, is, is critical to, to alleviating that or mitigating that. And COVID is just bringing things to the forefront at a much uh, stronger and accelerated pace. And so with regard to indoor air quality, we really can uh, create uh, data analytics and um, monitoring and alerts around those individual spaces or close, you know, start to get it down to a personalized level. Um, and some of the things we're coming out with uh, around that is, is, is pretty interesting in a sense from that standpoint is being able to alert the individual via either digital signage or other things as to what the quality of the air that they're breathing. Because one of the things they all should have is, is, a, is a, a known comfort and feeling of safeness with regard to understanding you know, what they're, what, what is in that environment in that building. And, so that, and again, that, that, that's before COVID and after. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I always, I always look for trends, you know, with the other vertical market or the other industry that we do a lot of work in and, and a lot of our clients play in lighting, right? And we, we talk about yeah. like, okay, what's next in the lighting industry? And it always comes back to IOT and information gathering and analytics, right? Gathering data. Yeah. So what you're touching on there, I think, has a has direct correlation to, to lighting kind of where we see the future heading there. Now, 
yeah. within the context, you may have you may have touched on it, but as you look at gathering data and analyzing data, is there anything that maybe you guys are looking to assess or analyze later on down the road that maybe is not available today? Any particular ECM or any particular like measure? Well, the interesting part is we we get a lot of that information uh, from our partners because what they they are at the front line of what the customer needs, and uh, so we get a lot of feedback from from our partners, and so they're constantly bringing us opportunities to either create new ECMs or tweak the ones we have, and the same thing is true for KPIs if it's something other than than energy, and for us, energy is is obviously power, electricity, but also water, natural gas. All that lumps in, and, and we work with all of those those commodities um, from our partners' perspective. But one of the things that got me really excited, and and I think all of us from from and we're, we're fairly passionate anyway about what we can do with with data. And it, it to me, it's really striking because of the simplicity of it. Um, you know, we we work in an ideal situation. We work with the the uh, BAF system that's there. We don't we don't replace anything, so we work work with that. That's very, very common. We also work with IoT sensor nodes. Uh, in some cases, we may have to facilitate helping putting, you know, w- dictating what they are, and our partners uh, put them in, or our partners tell us what they are, which, whichever. It's certainly a two-way street there. And also uh, time series data. So those things are ideal. Having those are ideal, and that's obviously very common, in, in the, or rarely, uh, uh, rather common, to get the data source from. And that's typically live data as well as uh, metadata. What is interesting, though, and what, what has me very excited is wh- what do you do before you have all that? Wh- why can't you start to analyze that building and look at things before you have that live data? And we, we seem to, as an industry, maybe step over that, so to speak. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but it almost seems like we walk past it. No, it's there, but we just walk past it. Um, and what I mean by that is being able to take in, and we we kind of I think it's a coin term term we have come up with. I don't know if it's out there somewhere else, but it's uh, static analytics. And what we mean by that is basically that building has a wealth of information and data that we don't have to pipe in uh, through connectivity. We will, and that's where we want to get to. But even before we get there, there's a wealth of information that kind of gets bypassed or, or overlooked, and that's that's the nameplate information. That's the actual just compart, uh, categorizing the systems that are in that building. And what we're, what we're doing is, is creating a method uh, and creating possibilities where you can bring, we'll bring that information in with our partners to support and help for them. And we categorize that building before we even touch a, a piece of live data. And we can tell them up front because we have all these libraries and this rich information background and, and that we can do comparative aspects. And our our platform is is AI. It has AI effects in the sense that it's constantly learning and creating profiles for systems, equipment, components, as well as the building. So we can bring in that nameplate information. We can bring in the types of systems, and just having that—that's static. That's not live. We're just bringing in static uh, information with that, and then we can turn around with the, uh, the 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 libraries of information and stuff that we already have. And the personality of, of what we know that known equipment is, because once we get it into the system, we can start to create uh, opportunities for our partners to know in advance what are some of the best ECMs, what are the, some of the better KPIs they and such we should be focused on for that particular building or, or systems. All too often, it gets focused on a, the most expensive system and maybe the system that everybody knows consumes the most power. 
and and that's where you focus or system, but you miss all the other information because it's not categorized or the nameplate information isn't there. And when you take the whole effect of it, all of that uh, certainly can have as big or bigger impact than maybe that one those one or two key plants or or you know air handling systems or something to that effect. And so it, it's a great way for our customers to know when they're doing uh, putting together uh, uh, proposals or quotes, whether it be an RFI, RFP, RFQ, uh, we can actually, with that static information, we can create expectations and known aspects that uh, will help them understand where they're going to get the best cost uh, for what they want to do before they ever do anything from an energy standpoint or from an optimization standpoint. And again, that's just by categorizing the data of the systems that are that are there and that's static information it's not live um it's not real time we do all that but that that's really exciting to be able to provide that and that's one of the things that um gives us a a, a lot of that it, i think it differentiates is being able to do that in a holistic sense before we even start to onboard the building from a from a live data standpoint i think the term was static analytics Okay. Well, if I had a fact checker, I'd have them check it. But in the meantime, we'll just give <laughs> well, you, cre- well, we'll do, give you credit yeah, for it. Do that and let me know. All right. That's all right. All right. All right. So, so, Brian, what I wanted to do here is just uh, transition to the last part of the show. There's the same four questions that I asked to, to every guest comes on. And I wanted to start off here. What are your daily non-negotiables? Well, I mean, I think the biggest one for me, if I had to think about it here um, for a bit, is... Uh, I'm an optimist by nature, and uh, so I I try to make sure every day I ended on a a positive. I have a positive attitude, or ended on uh, I want to say a positive note because I can't necessarily control that. I can't control you know what what's going to happen with regard to me and other people I'm interacting with, but I want to end the day in a non-negotiable way on, on with my attitude being positive, regardless of what's happened throughout the day. Because you know again that's outside of my control, but my attitude. It is inside is my control 100 percent. So I, I really, really like to do that because it, it really is the start of the next day is the end of the, the day that you're in. So love that. Focus on what you can control. Yeah. And uh, what advice would you give to your 22 year old self? Oh, uh, I would say don't be so rushed uh, to, to get to the next to the, get to the next. Enjoy the moment, so to speak, and, and take in the moment. Don't be so rushed to get to the next level or whatever it is. Uh, I, you know, goal, being goal driven and, and stuff like all, all, most of us are uh, that have been successful in this energy stuff. You certainly have that. And I, I just know I, I look back and I was like, holy cow, I did some really interesting stuff. And I wasn't always present. You know, I was looking for the next the next opportunity, so to speak, or where I was going next. The other thing, too, very simple is I would say take more pictures. Uh, because I, I did, I was fortunate enough to do some pretty, pretty interesting and frankly some cool stuff. And I have a few pictures, and I was like, man, I wish I took more pictures when I was doing that. You know, so. All right, all right, that's uh, that's good stuff there. And what motivates yeah. you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, I would say again, this gets back to just my personality and optimism. I would say interacting with people. I I just I just uh, it drives my kids and my wife crazy because. I, I just like understanding and getting to know people and I don't care, you know, who they are. It's just, and, uh, and I try to do it in a genuine way. Uh, at least I like to think I do. Um, and I guess to compliment that would be, you know, helping people. I, I believe in the golden rule and I try to live it. And, uh, that's true with, uh, whether it's in business or, you know, my, uh, pub, uh private side too. So 
And again, the private side, obviously you're getting out with my kids and my wife and stuff, it drives them crazy. <laughs> or, or, or it can. <laughs> the last question here, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? Uh, well, that would tie into what I just shared in the sense, I think uh, it, it would be basically being a great father and a great husband. Uh, but, but knowing I'm not going to be a perfect one, you know, uh, in fact, it, it would not be good to be perfect because what would you learn if you're perfect? Certainly, certainly agree with that. Brian, I think that's a perfect way to, to close out the show here. So thanks for coming on the podcast. Really enjoyed our time here. I did as well. Thank you. All right. All right, there you have it, episode 29 with Bryant Butler. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this episode with your friends and colleagues as well. And one last thing, if you have any ideas for future guests from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.